Good morning. Hope all of you are doing well. Today we're going to be learning Maseches Moed Katan Davav. We're starting about eight lines down <clears throat> with the words Amar of Yehuda. We're in the midst of a sugya discussing um, about being mitzayin, about marking graves on Chol uh, And as uh, the Balei Atosfos mentioned on Daf Beis, there is no tircha in this issue. It's pretty simple. You basically take some some lime and you kind of pour it on something. It has a whitish color. And uh, some of the Rishonim right here that the reason why the marks on the grave should be white is because um, it's the same color as bone, uh, which is going to be our reminder as to what is actually going on here, that there's a mace buried there in order to prevent uh, Kohanim from becoming Tame unnecessarily, and uh, probably more directly to prevent uh, Trumos, which are Tahor, from becoming Tame in which case they need to be misraf. So let's get started with some of the identification halachos of how we know what we're looking at when we see that white uh, that white line. Says the Gemara of Abba Meralev, eight lines down. Amr of Yehuda, Rav Yehuda said, <clears throat> if you find a stone that has this white paint on it, so then underneath that white stone, you can assume that there's a mace there and it would be tameh. Shtayim, if you have two stones near one another, so imyesh seed beinehem, if there is the white paint between the two of them, then then we would fairly assume, like we started with our rule, that anything that is painted white, then everything underneath, we assume that there's tuma there. But if between the two um, between the two rocks that have the white paint on it, there is no limestone, there's no lime, excuse me, then then we should just assume that there's nothing there. The only place where we're going to have a problem of a maze is when we see that it's Mitsuya with the white paint. And says the Gemara, <clears throat> even though this space between the two stones has not been plowed, still that space is going to be Tahor. Um, this, these three words here, it's actually more than three words. Um, this is referencing an idea that we have learned already, which is that a Besa Pras is a field that has a mace in it. We just don't know where the mace is. However, as we learned a couple of days ago, when a base pras has been plowed over it, when it's been necherash, so even if there is a mace, <clears throat> then it doesn't matter. It's going to be taller no matter what, because the bones have been scattered, the mace is no longer intact, and uh, we therefore assume that it's going to be fine. But in this case, we had two stones. There was lime on one, lime on another, and there was none in between. So then, because there's no lime in between, we assume it's tower, even though even though the mace, if there is a mace, it's still intact, even though it hasn't been plowed. But the Gemara has a hard time with this because there's a Brysa that seems to disagree with Rabbi Yehuda about time. The Brysa writes, If you find one stone that's been painted white, as discussed, it would be tame underneath. Shtayim, if you have two stones that have been painted white, so if it was plowed in between already different than already different than Rabbi Huda, then Benehen Tahor. Only if it was plowed in between would it be Tahor. And if it had not been plowed in between, then in between would still be Tame. In between the two stones would be Tame. So that's a stira of Yehuda, who's an Amora. So he said that in between the two stones would be Tahor and uh, would be tower, and that had nothing to do with Choresh at all, even if there was no Harisha, even if it wasn't plowed. Halacha is that it would still be tower. Yet here we see that the only way it would be tower in the Brisa is if there was plowing. So 
the Gemara responds to this about a third of the way down. Amara <clears throat> Papa, haha, this new Brysa that we just presented, Shahasid Shafuch al Roshehen, Maruda Lakanukan. What we're talking about over here is where someone overpoured the paint and they poured on the rocks, and there was a little bit of an overspill into the in between space of the rocks. And now we don't know how to look at that, says the Gemara. <clears throat> If it was plowed in between, then Benayan Tahor, and we can assume that in between is going to be Tahor, because any little amounts of white paint that they find in between, that's only because uh, when you were plowing, so some of it got scratched off the rock and fell in below. But had there not been any plowing, then we would assume that there is limestone there, that there is lime there, excuse me, and, uh, and that it would then be Tahor. So that's how we answer the question uh, against Rabbi Huda. The Gemara continues, Amar of Asi, another statement from the Amorite, <clears throat> uh, is that let's say uh, you have one of four scenarios. You either have one wall, two walls, three walls, or four walls uh, around a space that have that white paint. At what point do we just call the whole thing a cemetery? Uh, so it says the Gemara's follows. Matzah uh, If you have, let's just say, the eastern wall, that has the, has the white paint on it, then who tell me that wall, everything near that wall is going to be problematic. But the rest of the field is totally fine. If two walls around an area are painted white, then still not a cemetery. Just so we have to be careful by those two walls, but nowhere else. If you have three walls that are painted around an area, so then still hasn't become a cemetery yet. Only until the fourth wall. <clears throat> Once you have four walls that have been painted, now you have a cemetery. Then it flips. The walls are no longer problematic at all because we assume that those walls have been painted to indicate what's inside the walls, not what's directly near the walls. And everything in the field is going to be tame because it's a cemetery at this point. So the space by the walls was meant to be a border around the Tuma. We know that it's somewhat close to the, to the Mason because we don't want to waste the space of Eretz Yisrael as much as is possible. So you're allowed to be near the walls. You're just not allowed to be inside the walls in order if you are if you're holding truma that's what the gemara says that brings us to the two dots halfway down we had said in our mission on that that uh that bezdin would check out cholamoid for kilai okay what's going on here says the gemara what do you mean we're going out on a cholamoid we're talking here about uh we're talking here about cholamoid pesach so Whatever it's a Chodesh Aviv, you're talking in March, April, you're talking about a pretty early part of the year. But the problem is that's not what the Brysa says. The Brysa says something a little bit different. Hold on. So the Gemara has a problem with our Mishnah. Or Minhu, it says in a, in a Brysa that the Adar on the first of Adar, that's a long time, that's a month and a half before Pesach. That Bezdin will announce about the requirement to give the Chazi Shekel, which would be in one month from that date on Aleph Nisan, as we learned in Masach Shkalim. That Bezdin would be Mahrez, they make an announcement about Akilayim to be careful. Things are set to grow now. Everyone, please be careful. You have to make sure that you're keeping all the halachos and uh, just be careful about Akilayim. That's just an announcement. 
On the 15th of Adar, here's what happens. Number one, people would read the Megillah in certain cities. Number two, people would go out and they would remove thorns from the road. Number three, they would fix the roads. Number four, they'd measure the mikvos, it was their annual check to ensure that every mikvah had 40 sa. Uh, they would do all of the needs of the people at that time of year. They would also mark graves at that time, put a fresh coat of paint. And lastly, so hold on one sec. Our Mishnah said that you're going to be Yotzin Alakilaim, that you're going to send out the, the Kilaim police, as it were, to go check and make sure everybody's fields were kosher, that you were going to do that on Chol HaMoed. Yet, Chol HaMoed is, uh, what is that? That's the 16th of Nisan, the 17th of Nisan, the 18th of Nisan, and the 19th of Nisan. But it's not this. This is the 15th of Adar. So which one is it? Is our Mishnah right? And really, we would be Yotzin Alakilaim. Um, on the during Cholamoid, or is this Brisa right? And really, the date should be the fifteenth of Adar, a month earlier. So says the Gemara. There's two answers here. Answer number one uh, belongs to one Amora and one to the other. Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi Yosi Bar they each had an answer. Chad Amar Kan Bebachir, Kan It depends on if it's an early blooming type of vegetation or a late blooming type of vegetation. If it's Bachir, if it's an early blooming type of vegetation, then we would go check on the key line in the earlier time frame of Adar, like the Brasa. And if it's Afil, if it's going to be a late blooming type of vegetation, so then we would check on that, as our Mishnah indicates, during Chol HaMoid. The Chadam, or another answer given, is Kan Vizrayim, Kan Pirakos. One's talking about the growth of grains, and the other's talking about vegetation. So Rashi here says, um, it's two lines into the wider lines. Rashi says, Dibraham Maschel Vizrayim, what are we talking about? Altavua on grain, yotin betesvav adar, shakodlin rakos. The grains grow faster than the vegetables. Oh no. So then you would go check on that earlier, and then the arakos you check on during Cholhamoid Pesach. Amravasi Amrav Yochanan, Loshanun. Everything that we had learned is that nobody ever goes out before Adar. The earliest they go out is the 15th of Adar, and seemingly on the later side they go out during Cholhamoid Pesach. So says the Gemara, Loshanun, and we only learned that the first time a person would go out and check on uh, on Kilayim, we only learned that that would be in the month of Adar um, uh, under certain circumstances. One is that, that's when the growth of the vegetation isn't noticeable about Nitzan Nikar, but if growth is noticeable even prior to Adar, a very fast growing uh, type of uh, type of vegetation, then Yotzin Alem, then we have to go out and warn people because otherwise you could violate Kilayim. So you have to kind of, be a little bit of a botanist to know what grows quickly, what doesn't grow quickly. <clears throat> then the Gemara asks, like, okay, I understand the timing that there are late blooming things and therefore we should check on them a little bit later. But why Dafka Cholamoid? Go after Pesach. Go before Pesach. Why do you have to go on Cholamoid? Says the Gemara, five, six, seven lines from the bottom of the page. Amr of Yaakov, Amr of Yochanan, Mishum Schar Pu'ula de Muz because that days, those days of Cholamoid, um, worker, workers are inexpensive. So we wanted to save the, the Lishka, we wanted to save the base and make some money, and people would be hired at a cheaper price. So some of the Amurayim say, what we can see from here is that when the people who were sent out to check on the Kilayim were paid, they were paid from the Lishka. 
um, as people who were going to just go out in general and check, you're the Kilim checkers. Go, go do your thing. It's like having someone who checks an Eru. It's not paid for by the individual. It's paid for by the Lishka. It's paid for with community funds. Why? How do we know this? If I thought that I had Kilim and I'm the Balabais, I own the property. So then my Nafkalan Minayhu, I need you to check to make sure I don't have Kilim. I don't care that it's going to be the least expensive uh, worker on the planet. I, I have a mitzvah, I have to make sure I know what I'm doing. So if I'm not a bucky in Kila, I'm going to hire someone at, at any cost. I would hire them on a, on a random Tuesday. It doesn't mean that it's going to be money from the, it doesn't mean that the price point is going to be okay for me. And some of the Meforshim say here that we'd even pay double. We pay a lot of money. We're not allowed to do any Surya Daraisa. Even Kolohon Beso, all of our money has to go even to violate, to avoid violating even one Isra Daraisa. Such a remarkable thing to think about. Doug, write a check, everything. There's no Isra Kilayim. So if it was coming from the individuals, I would just pay for it. I would make sure that I don't have Kilayim. Kol Kama De Bauli whatever the guy asks for is what I'm going to give him. I have to make sure I don't have Kilayim. Then the Gemara says at the bottom, the Ad Kama, shifting gears a little bit uh, in regards to the dialogue, because we've been talking about who's doing the checking and who's paying for it. But it says the Gemara of Ad Kama, what is our point of concern? Take a look at Rashi on the bottom line. At what point uh, might we be triggering the Isra Kilayim to the point that I have to make a change in my field? So Ad Kama says the Gemara, Kolsa, Shiyeshba, turning to the top of the base, Rova Zera Mimin Acher. You have a rova zera, seemingly a quarter of grain from a different grain, yemite, that has to be minimized. What is this talking about? So take a look at the top Rashi. The top Rashi on the page says, rova hakav, it's a quarter of a kav, echad of one one kav, a quarter of one kav, michaf dalad bisa, from a size of 24 cents. So we're talking about... um, a very small percentage, but still, it's a problem. And what is the halacha? So it says on the top line of the Gemara, Yema'et. Asks the Gemara, not everybody says that it should be Yema'et. And if the checkers for Kilayim would find that there was Taka Kilayim, they'd be mafkir the whole field. That done. Your field is done for. So it says the Gemara, that doesn't make sense. Which one is it? Is it Yema'et that you just minimize? the amount of the smaller vegetation, the, the rova hakav, and you make it to an eighth of a kav, whatever it is, or are you mafkir the field? Which one is the solution to our problem? Says the Gemara, second line, we said you might, you should minimize it. That was all before the takana. However, <clears throat> once the takana, which we're about to learn about, once the takana was put into place, so then everyone was just mafkir. What happened? Titania, third line. Birishona, before the Takana, when a person was found to have had Kilayim, Hayu Okrin, they would uproot the Kilayim, Umashlich and Ifne Behemtan, and they would uh, they'd uproot it and they'd put it before the animals of the owner. If that's my field, if you just did me a double favor, and you just weeded my field for me. You got rid of a little bit of Kilayim for me. Thank you very much. You helped me keep a mitzvah. And the second is that you just fed my animals for me. I can sleep in a little. So then that's not good because that means that people are going to be lax about Kilayim. And therefore, seven lines down, he's Kinu Shayuhu, they made a Takonam. 
that we, yes, they'll uproot the fields, but instead of feeding their animals, they throw it on the drachim, they, they throw it to waste, and not, not to the animals. Still, okay, you didn't feed my animals, but you still did weed my field for me. Thank you very much. That's very nice. So it says the Gemara, Therefore, that's our Kanawa. They then had to be mafkir the whole, the whole entire field. So that was the distinction in sources that we saw. The initial sheet that said you might, and then it said uh, not to be might, but you have to be mafkir. So that's the difference. So the Takana was in between those two times. New Mishnah, 10 lines down. That even though we have a restriction of Tirchadr and Cholamoid, one is allowed to drag water from one tree to another. Provided that they don't uh, uh, that they don't irrigate the entire field. If you have grains that were not given water before Cholamoid, so lo bimoid, then you shouldn't be taking care of them on Cholamoid. The Chachamim allow both in regards to the first case of the Mishnah and as well in a case where uh, where it wasn't saturated or irrigated before Cholamoid, we're still allowed to, to water that field, no problem. The Gemara opens about a quarter, a third of the way down, Amar of Yehuda, or maybe Amar Rav Huna. Says, uh, says this Amora, If this was a field that normally was very moist, and it happens to have just dried out right now, so even if you didn't, uh, even if you didn't uh, give it water beforehand, like the Mishnah seemed to say, Mutter, no problem at all, you're still allowed to give it uh, irrigation on Cholamoid. And Tanya Namihachi, the Bryce says something similar, though with a lot of other halachos as well. What does this Bryce say? When we said that it's forbidden on Cholamoid to irrigate a field, they only said that it was true of grain fields that were never irrigated beforehand. If you're not watering it on before Pesach, you shouldn't water it on Pesach. But if you have ones that have been saturated before, then yes, you can irrigate that field on, on Pesach. This is the riot of the Shita of Rabbi Huda. Rabbi Huda said that the field was, a, generally speaking, a moist field. And then right now it ended up being that it dried out to the point of danger. We're afraid that it's going to get ruined. So then we'll turn no problem. And then the Brisa closes out with the following. Uh, One is not allowed to irrigate a Sadeh Garid. We'll learn what that means in, uh, in a moment in Rashi. What's a sadagari? Take a look at Rashi. Rashi is about an inch and a half above where we are, about a third of the way down in the Rashi's. It's always been a particularly dry field, but it never needed irrigation. It's fine. It can sustain on whatever rainwater it gets. So that field, there's no there's no hefset. Remember the Kalal of our Mishnah that we started with on Dat Bays. Is that on Cholamoid, one of the things that allows for Malacha to be done on Cholamoid is that there's a hefset. So, this here, the Chachamim were Mekel to say that even by a Sadegarid field that is typically very dry but manages, it's, a, it's cacti, you're good to go, doesn't need the water, still, you're allowed to irrigate that on, uh, on uh, Cholamoid. Omar Avinu, Shmamina. What do we learn from here? That high tarbitza, shari the tarbutse, bechula de moada. If you have a field of grains and it's a field of grains that really will be fine without water, you're allowed to sprinkle water on it, uh, to be, be marbit's water on it, on cholamoid. 
Now, Sadeh Garid, we had said that there was a machlokas between the Tanakama and the Chachamim about a Sadeh Garid, where the Tanakama was strict and did not allow for watering a Sadeh Garid. However, we saw the Chachamim were lenient. Sadeh Garid, my time though. I mean, really, why, why, would, why would we be allowed to do that? Why can we water a field where there's no hefset on Cholamoy? It doesn't make any sense. So says the Gemara, yes, you're watering the field, it's true, but all that's really happening is the afla mashve lecharfa. The delayed growth is just going to come more quickly. So in general, that's true by uh, by the tarbitza, by that field of, of grains. So hachanami here too, by the sadegarit afla mashve lecharfa. You're watering it, but like it's... It's not so much about hefsit. All that's really happening is, is that you're you're hastening the growth process of this particular field. It says the Gemara a little bit more than halfway down. One is allowed to be marbits, a green field on shviz. We've had the language of harbats a number of times in Shas, and it means to sprinkle water and to keep things fresh. We had the language in regards to people's homes, where they'd be marbits, the floors of their homes, because their homes are made of dirt and sand on the bottom, and this basically prevented uh, the dirt from kicking up in the house. Anyways, you're allowed to do that to a field on Shvi's Avalobimoid, but you're not allowed to do that on Cholamoid. Why not? Says the Gemara about Tanya Marbits and Ben Mimoid Ben Shvi's. says, You are allowed to do this, no problem at all. The answer is the Gemara, Amaravuna, Lokasha, Haribalazar Ben Yaakov, Haribam. This is the same Machlokas as in the Bryce, as in our Mishnah. Rabbi Lazar ben Yaakov was the one who said that you're not allowed to water a Sadeh Garid. And the Chachamim said you are. And even though there's really not much of a Tzorach, the Chachamim allowed it because they said that Afla, Mashvili Kharfa, that the delayed growth is going to be hastened. Great, let's get it done. So that's the Machlokas uh, in our Mishnah. And it plays out over here in regard to being marbits, to adding water to the, veg- the vegetation in order to. Uh, to, to make it fresh. Says the Gemara, two-thirds of the way down, five lines before the next Mishnah. We're going to be going just to the top of Zion and Aleph, and then we'll stop. The Gemara says as follows, Tanya Yidach, we have another Brisa on this topic. That one is allowed to sprinkle water on, um, on a grain field. On Arab Shviz, so that's the end of the end of year six, right before Shemitah, so that when those ve- vegetables are plucked, they're going to be very fresh, no problem. But oh, not only that, Ella, that at the end of the seventh year, Shemarbitz and so the love on Bishviz, that if one wants to benefit from the fruits that will grow, that will be plucked after Shviz is over in the beginning of year eight, that's fine as well. Next Mishnah, Tzadin Esaishus, the Esach Barn. One is allowed to trap moles, uh, which typically live underground, and, and field mice from Mistei Ilan, from an orchard, and as well in Mistei Halavan, and from a grain field. Kidarko, like you'd normally trap it, the regular animal traps, however you would normally do it. I don't, I've never done this, but however people trap moles and trap uh, mice, that's what they would do. You do it regular. Only in an orchard are you allowed to do so. Kidarko, like a regular form of trapping. Excuse me. And if you're talking about a grain field, it's that the only way you're allowed to trap it is if it's in a unique way with a with a shinoi. Uh, we'll spend more time on this tomorrow in your session. But says the Gemara, continuing, you're allowed to fix something that broke on Cholamoid, a fence of some kind. And during Shviz, forget about Moed, on Shviz, because there's no Esr Malacha during Shviz, of course, other than Shabbos, a regular, a regular weekday, no problem at all. 
Next, uh, the Gemara opens, my Ishos, how do we know what an Ishos is? So Amar Yehuda, uh, that it's a barrier, Shein La'inayim, it's a creature that doesn't have eyes. So some of them, the force of explain, it doesn't mean they don't have eyes. I mean, they're not used to using their eyes because they live underground and bulls don't usually live above ground. What does the Pasuk mean when it says, So I'm just translating here from the art scroll. And the art scroll reads this Pasuk like this. Like the snail that progressively melts away, like the stillbirth of a mole, who never see the sun. So we see that an Ishos is a mole, and it's uh, one who never sees the sun. So that's how we know what we're talking about. That was what the Gemara said, uh, based, uh, that that Pasuk was indicating that it's talking about a mole who can't see. Yes, that's just like we saw that one is, at least according to the Tanakama, at least according to the Tanakama, at least according to the Tanakhama, that you can trap these animals, Kedarko. And as well, you're also allowed to destroy um, uh, the animals uh, the ant, where, where ants live in the ground, the ant hole. They have a whole world under there. Says the Gemara, <coughs> what's the best way to ruin an ant hole? Well, it's very simple. You take dirt from one part of the, from one ant hole and you put it in another ant hole. They know they're dirt, the ants, and they're not going to be happy and they'll all end up killing one another. It has to be that the dirt is from across the riverbank. Otherwise, the dirts are very similar. They have to be far enough away that they're different enough that the ants will not like what you've added. Says the Gemara of Uhu Gishra, that's only true if there's no bridge. Ants are, are incredibly hardworking bugs that will travel very long distances to get what they want. Uhu Gamma, not even a bridge uh, that's made out of a board. Uhu Mitzra, not even a bridge that's made out of ropes. Ad Kama, says the Gemara, Ad Parsa, the distance that one has to be concerned about is in regards to uh, an ant is a Parsa. That's how far they'd be willing to go. And therefore, in order to actually ruin, uh, quote unquote, an ant, hole, an ant hole where the whole ant or the whole ant uh, colony lives, is you'll have to take dirt. And if there's a bridge, you have to go at least a Parsa. That far, they're not willing to go, but up to a Parsa is considered normal. We'll stop right here. We'll pick up with Dab Zion tomorrow. Wishing you all a beautiful day.